You're listening to American Girl Women with Laura Treader and Lindsay Adams-Franca. This is a podcast where two millennial gals gather around the microphone and reminisce on the cultural phenomenon that took our childhood by storm, American Girl Dolls. Contrary to what you might think, we aren't just talking about dolls here. We're diving into the high highs and the low lows of getting hooked on American Girl and all the childhood memories that come flooding back. So join us and a few special guests each week as we become American Girl Women. Today on American Girl Women, we are joined by Callie Gregg. Based in Brooklyn, Callie works in advertising at the Washington Post, while also spending her spare time writing a novel and being a devoted mother to New York's longest cat. Callie grew up in California, where she loved water polo, swimming, skiing, and dreaming of being a writer and or Olympian. Callie was a kit girl growing up and loved reading the books, the magazine, and of course, the catalog. We are so excited to hear all about her American Girl experience. Callie, welcome to AGW. Thank you so much for having me. This is a momentous occasion. We're so excited to have you on, Callie, and you are so right. This is a momentous occasion, and you are someone who has been aware of some of the behind the scenes and lead up to this podcast. So it was about time that we had you on so you could share your American Girl story. I've been thinking about my American Girl story for years, and finally I have the (laughs) avenue. Ah, yay. You, you were just hoping for an outlet to become available one day. Every day I, was like, I wonder if there'll ever be an American Girl podcast where I can talk about these things. Oh my God. Well, here is God your platform, delivered. Callie. This is amazing. So you and Laura have been friends for many years. Do you want to share a little bit of background on that and how you two met? Yeah, one of my very best friends, previous guest on the pod, Shannon, um, mm-hmm. is also one of Laura's very good friends and former roommates. Um, and there was a period in my life where I felt like all of my friends lived in New York, but I still lived in Boston. And so I would take the train down like every other month, practically. Um, and Laura was my de facto co-host of the apartment <laughs> because I would stay with Shannon and Laura would also be there. And it was so sweet because you were such a welcoming host you had always just like a, a vagabond in your living room that was me with my backpack off the mega bus <laughs> uh, and we had many delightful little New York weekends and then I moved here uh to New York two years ago so I got to spend a lot of time with Laura before she very cruelly abandoned me for Los Angeles which <laughs> I'm quite bitter about but we don't have to bring that into the recording we can just leave it between us <laughs> I know, I know. There, There's an entire group of people who could come on this podcast and share their bitterness about me moving to the West Coast. And it's kind of funny because like I moved to the West Coast, which is where Callie's from. And then Callie also lived in Massachusetts for a while, which is where I'm from. Ooh. So it's like we've switched places voluntarily almost. Um <laughs> While I understand why someone would move to the West Coast, people do not understand why I would move to the East Coast. And people are constantly asking me, <laughs> what exactly are you doing here? Wow. Oh my gosh. I I also do have to point out that I believe that there was one specific time that was like maybe the like only like second or third time that I had met Callie where I think we like, it must have been around the holidays because I specifically recall us pulling out the like sofa bed in the living room and Callie myself and Shannon were like watching like either like random like TV or like Hallmark holiday movies or something like that like I remember specifically it being like something very like odd and out of character for us but we were like we were loving it whatever it was I re- oh my gosh I remember it was I stayed an extra night because it was so cold that they canceled my bus it wasn't even <laughs> They just said it's too cold to drive. It's too cold. And so I came back to your place and I said, Can I stay another night? I'm here, so you have to let me. And we all got into the sofa bed like Grandpa Joe in (laughs) style. And we watched some Hallmark movie. I think uh two competing lawyers fell in love at Christmas time. It was one of the viral, it was one of like the viral ones that like everybody was watching. Like, cause you know how there's always one and like this past year, I think it was like the Lindsay Lohan one. Mm -hmm. I feel like we were watching one that was like a must see or, Ooh, or did we also watch like the Vanessa Hudgens princess one? I think that may have been in the docket. 
Yes. I love that princess movie. That was so good. It was like Vanessa Hudgens one owned a bakery and then, oh, it was called the princess switch. Right. Yes. And then she yep. places with the, with the princess. Yes. Who like didn't want to get married. Um, right. That was a good one. In many ways, what Laura and I have done with our bi-coastal <laughs> lives is the princess switch. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. We did a little princess switch. Um, <laughs> also, uh, Callie and I have probably consistently for the past two years, most weeks prior to me moving to LA were part of a bachelor, bachelorette, bachelor in paradise watching friend group who was also ordering Mexican food every single Monday night. So that is also part of our friendship lore. <laughs> it's like the the most structure I have in my life emotionally is <laughs> I'd never watched The Bachelorette or The Bachelor or anything before I moved to New York. And now every Monday night, I have to eat a burrito and watch this television program. <laughs> um, and Laura is a very seasoned watcher of these shows. <laughs> so she really taught me a lot about how to consume them correctly. Yeah. Like watching a football game and like grading players' executions. Oh, absolutely. Well, I don't think we've ever talked about this on the podcast, but as many of our listeners might know, Laura and I work together and mm-hmm. we have an internal bachelor, bachelorette league, which Laura manages. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I tried to like get out of it this time around. And there was like an uprising in the group because I kind of thought that everybody was like done with it. I would have joined just like a random group online. <laughs> um, and suddenly, like on the premiere date, everybody was like, are we doing this this time around? And I was like, oh, I didn't know anybody wanted to, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> we have like uh, a whole separate slack channel like with people from all different departments like people we might not interact with normally but we just share bachelor updates in the slack group like talk about our bachelor bachelorette experiences interactions anything we see on tiktok <laughs> relating to it but we have like this whole like i guess fantasy football league-esque i've never done one of those before but it's like a point system like certain actions on the show will get you different points depending on the players or bachelor at contestants you choose each week (laughs) and it's competitive like I came in second place once and that was my claim to fame that was a big deal Lindsay actually I I totally forgot about that yeah it's uh you know we for not for this season obviously because it's too late but for the next one maybe we can bring that back for our friend group Callie because I feel so disconnected from you guys when I'm not watching with you weekly (laughs) we would love that we every week we all sit down kind of somberly and go Laura's not here oh no (laughs) but she's always with us it would be funny if I FaceTimed in. That'd be some like real pandemic era uh, TV watching. I I literally did that with so many friends during the pandemic. Is like would like live watch something with them on FaceTime. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh my goodness, you totally uh, could. So, quick question before we get into all things AG, have you talked about American Girl with each other before Laura? You started. Uh, down this journey of a podcast like had AG ever come up between you two I don't think so I think once you started thinking about the podcast it was like an awakening in our friend group of Mm -hmm. unlocked childhood memories um and so since the the idea of the podcast came about we've definitely talked about it but I don't think we ever did before I don't think so either I specifically think that I remember like it happening at a bachelor night actually like because one thing about me is like once I become interested in something I'm gonna make it my whole personality and I'm gonna (laughs) force other people to be interested in it too (laughs) so I think like when Lindsay and I were going through like the process of maybe just like even not like deciding yet to start a podcast but we were like looking at the catalogs a lot I feel mm-hmm. like I probably like brought it up and then like that's how we started talking about it but it's always like so fun kind of like if you haven't talked about it before because you get to like you know either be surprised or like it makes so much sense about like what your adult friends had for dolls so 
I feel like in our case, I was like, oh my God, yes, that makes so much sense <laughs> for who you had. And then like <laughs> Lindsay, I was surprised actually that she had American Girl dolls, but she was very much immersed in the world. And when she came on our podcast, she told some great stories about her memories. And then Shannon, I think I actually maybe had known about Shannon before because she had like a really silly picture of her yeah. with her Molly doll. But like, it was just so fun to like, engage with you guys on that as adults, because I don't know, it's like you have like a different level of understanding than you do as a kid. <laughs> It's our, our friend Lindsay, who is also on the podcast, who is an early childhood educator, is always talking about the the way that when we're children, these innate things about us are formed and we maybe can't access them. But when you say them out loud to someone else, mm-hmm. it like unlocks not only a memory in yourself, but an understanding um, between the other person. And I feel like American Girl is a great source of that in our friend group of whenever we talk about it. I like have this tender feeling for the childhood versions of my friends, but also understand how it, they became the women that they are, the American girl women that they are. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that was yes. really beautifully said. I feel like we just jumped right along to the last question we <laughs> ask our guests there. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> but should we get into things? Let's get into it. Cool. All right. Well, Let's take a step back first. Kelly, what were you like growing up? I was, I I would say I was a mixture of precocious and impetuous. I was probably very annoying to people around me. I was very <laughs> outgoing, very active. Um, a story that my mom likes to always tell about me that I think pretty much sums me up is that one time my family was at the beach um, just outside of San Francisco where it's very cold. It's not great beach weather, even in the summer. And I was swimming and splashing and running around. And a woman who was out for a walk came down to the beach to tell my mom very sternly, it's way too cold for a child to be swimming. You're being a terrible parent. You need to take her out of there. And my mom said, lady, you try taking her out of there because (laughs) I was just so excited and happy to be out and about and be out in the water. And I think that was a lot of what I was like. I was very excited about life and very passionate much like Laura said uh anything that I was interested in I would make my whole personality and make everyone <laughs> else participate with <laughs> oh my gosh Kelly I love that one thing about you is that you're gonna get in that water and you're gonna stay in there <laughs> I simply have to whether it is a bathtub or the ocean I must be in the water or or a hot tub on a bachelorette party trip <laughs> <Correct>. <laughs> love that what kind of activities were you into growing up uh unsurprisingly I was a competitive swimmer all right Uh, but I also uh played water polo and I skied and I played soccer and I did dabble in a little bit of community theater Um, oh wow at a certain point the the joy that I got from theater did not burn out all of my energy and so my parents were like you've got to do sports Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I loved doing loved doing those as well. Oh my gosh, a regular Renaissance woman, honestly, with all those things going on. And Callie, when you were like playing as a kid, either by yourself or with other children, what were your favorite activities to engage in? My, it, like it really was dependent on how close of a friend we were playing with. But when I was alone, or when I was with a friend, we would do these like extremely elaborate make-believe games. Uh, my childhood best friend, now a, a married woman, we used to uh, ride our Razor scooters and pretend that they were motorcycles. Um, <laughs> and we would be in a motorcycle gang and we would use her mailbox, like the neighborhood mailbox on the cul-de-sac as a fake coffee shop. And we would ride up on our motorcycles to place our orders. <laughs> Oh wow. That, that sounds <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> you would and she lived on this like cul-de-sac where there was no cross traffic. So we basically had the run of the street and we would play elaborate make-believe games for 
hours and entertain ourselves and we never got bored of it we never got old we would um print pictures of what celebrities we looked like in these make-believe games so we would like have a (laughs) word document with like a bunch of images of like and here's what I look like and here's what my boyfriend looks like and here's what (laughs) your boyfriend looks like and we'd print them out and carry them for reference oh my god do you remember any of the celebrities that you were choosing Unfortunately, and most embarrassingly, I was almost always Natalie Portman, and my boyfriend was Hayden Christensen because I was Ooh, a big Star Wars yeah, kid. good choices. And oh my gosh, pictures of them together because of the Star Wars press, so I was able to yeah. get a of what our physical chemistry was like. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, no, I feel like you are also sort of like. engaging in like early tumblr rp culture with that (laughs) yeah they're like really what was that but a face claim it was literally a face claim (laughs) like Lindsay, i don't know if you're familiar with this but on tumblr (laughs) there, there were like and i would like i was not in this community but i would see this like if i was like in a specific tag of a fandom that had like a high like engagement level of this type of scenario but like people would create like um like very elaborate and like well planned out role plays and like sometimes like they would use like a face claim of like a famous actor or actress so that like you could put a face to like the role and am I explaining this well Callie you really are it's taking me back to a time okay (laughs) and so when Callie when Callie said that I was like oh so it's just a just a Tumblr (laughs) RP wow (laughs) could there be like two people claiming the same face or was that like forbidden um not in the same role play (laughs) there there could only be it was almost like you were like being cast in that situation (laughs) (laughs) um it took me a while to like I had to like figure that out through just like osmosis of like seeing it on tumblr like for the first few times I saw it I was like what is this um and then I like finally figured it out and some of my like fandom friends also helped explain it to me but that's exactly really like tumblr was just like uh, our make-believe selves uh channeling into you know a a different uh I don't know a different medium but I love I love that you were engaging in some rp um when you were a youth but how did American Girl enter the picture um I was very much someone who coveted American Girls from an early age because I am a younger sister Um, And so my older sister had Kirsten. And if I was particularly sedate or well behaved, I might be allowed to play with Kirsten. Um, But I did not get my own. And so I I got kind of a stepping stone as a like four or five year old when I got Biddy Baby. Um, But Biddy Baby is not there's not as much lore. There's not there's not a story. Mm-hmm. And I very much loved like uh, the the Kirsten Christmas outfit was the one mm-hmm. I was most enchanted with because it was like access to this whole other culture and this this whole story that right. I really wanted to be a part of. Um, and so I had Bitty Baby, but I really wanted my own. And a lot of my friends had American Girls or even had two or one family that I was very close with. There were three sisters and they each had two and they had a whole room in their house that was like a playroom that was basically just the American Girl room. Wow. Wow. And it was heaven to me. I wanted to be there every minute Um, and I really (laughs) wanted my own. And I believe my eighth Christmas was when I finally got one. And on Christmas morning, we all went down into the drawing room at my grandma's house and all of our gifts from Santa were out and mine was Kit. Wow. Did you uh, choose Kit specifically? Like, did you know no, you were going to get her? No, it was, it's very interesting. Caitlin, my sister, did not pick Kirsten and I did not pick Kit. They were like my mother's choices for us. And I remember in the moment being a little bit disappointed because Kit was like truly an American girl um there was like none of the like different life experience like Kirsten being an immigrant or Kaya coming from a different culture or mm. even Josefina speaking a different language so I remember being a little disappointed at first but once I dug into the lore a little bit more I immediately became a kit girl and I still am to this day oh my gosh so when you were starting to learn more about 
kit, what was the thing that you think like really like drew you in as part of her background? Um, I think the the main thing was the experience of the Great Depression. My both sets of my grandparents had lived through the Depression as children, and it was something mm-hmm. that they talked to us a lot about. There were like ticks that they had developed from that time, like the the constant saving of cans well past their expiration date, just to always have a yeah. full pantry. Um, my grandmother had a beautiful set of dishware that was all that like green, uh, translucent depression glass. Um, and she would explain like why it looked like that. And so I think being able to relate to them in that way was very interesting to have Kit's perspective. And then as I dug deeper, I started to identify with her a lot, um, in terms of her interests, like with baseball and with politics and with newspapers, those were all things that really resonated with me. And I felt like she was a real gal's gal. Yeah, definitely. Were you diving into her books after you got her? Yeah, I got her, her like starter outfit and all of the books was my Christmas gift. And I accumulated her things. But I think like over that Christmas week, I probably read all of the books. I definitely read them more than once. Oh my gosh, that is so amazing. And so after you got the starter outfit, obviously, which as we all know, is a piece of clothing history that is just timeless. The (laughs) purple sweater set, floral skirt. Um, and little cloche hat combo. Um, but were there any other like outfits after that that you were lusting after for her? I the purple outfit was always my favorite. I'm really mm-hmm. sad that if a, a child receives kit today, that's not the outfit that they get. Oh, um, same. That, <laughs> that was the the iconic one for me, especially because of the way that the skirt tied into the story of it being the flower sack and it being repurposed. I thought that that was a really cool transition from the books to reality. So those were my favorites, but I loved her accessories. Some of the the things that I got, like her little Scotty pin that Ruthie gives her, mm-hmm. the actual pin I thought was like the most wonderful sensory experience in the world. And it was so cute. Um, and I had her secretary desk and it Ooh. came like a real pencil and a notebook that you could write in and a little tiny yeah. typewriter. Um, and I remember like filling the notebook in with drawings immediately and just like clacking away at the little fake typewriter. Um, and it had a so much there that you could put her in and it would actually swivel. Oh um, my gosh. Well, her desk set was like so iconic. I remember seeing that in the catalog and then recognizing when I would see a secretary desk in real life, like at an antique store at people's houses because of the catalog I like knew what it was it was and and that was another one that was like tied really closely to the books of when she has to move up into the attic getting the new desk and getting to keep the typewriter on the desk was like a a a way to make peace with her mom was that the room got to be more her own even though she had to move to the attic um and so the those were like wonderful pieces to have in connection to the literature and the the little necklace that came with her starter dress that was like a little compass. Oh, those so are just cute. like such like finely crafted things. I hate to sound like an mm-hmm. old person being like back in my day, but they really don't make kids toys like this anymore. Yeah. They were so well made and made to last. And I found them very fascinating when I was young. Definitely. Were you able to purchase outfits for yourself? of Kit's clothing I know she had like a matching pajama set for like a girl-sized pajama set but did she like have her meat outfit or her Christmas dress like was that able to be purchased I think it was and I remember looking at them in the catalogs but I I never had them so I'm not Mm -hmm. I'm 100% sure it was not Um, we didn't do a lot of doll dressing matching in our family and so that was like not part of the lore for me but I remember looking at the catalog and seeing the matching outfits so I think that by the time because Callie you were born in 1995 correct yeah okay so by the time that like you and I were sort of like eight nine ten they still had um like 
certain outfits that you could buy for any historic doll. Like they, I think they did like kid Kit's meat outfit and like her Christmas outfit, but like the red dress mm. Christmas outfit. I think I remember. Yes, mm. but definitely like they didn't do like her like birthday. Like they used to do yeah. almost like every single outfit you could purchase in girl size. And I think by the time that we were getting around to it, they they still had a lot of outfits, but they were only like releasing certain ones, I think, for the newer dolls. Um, I remember them selling Josefina's me outfit around the time that I got her. And I think they also sold her school outfit and then maybe one other outfit of hers but not not her like birthday outfit I don't think and not every single one so uh that they must have been leaning I think more heavily into like the like present day clothes for girls during that time which they still like did have like in the middle of the magazine sometimes like the ones that they didn't even make for dolls which was like very interesting but yeah that's my two cents on that (laughs) So, so fascinating. I need to go through like all of the catalogs from the Shagnon Piper Museum of Toys and Collectibles and really just go from like the late 90s through to however far they've gotten with the catalogs, like, and to see that progression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kelly, if you are wanting to walk down memory lane, there there is a great site we can send you if you want to like look at Kit's original like pages because they have so much stuff that I totally forgot about from like our era but I would love to it's been like <laughs> one of my favorite things of following the AGW Instagram is like seeing the old catalogs and the old magazines that like unlocks these memories in me that are so fond and were clearly just like floating around my subconsciousness waiting to be reaccessed um especially the the catalog stuff I like it's such a visceral sense memory to see yeah. it as an adult. Uh, why does nostalgia feel so good? It's the best feeling. <laughs> I I feel like, like cozy, cozy feeling. Yeah. I feel like so many people have said to us something similar about the catalog specifically. Were you a frequent uh, peruser of the American Girl catalog as a kid? Yeah. Even before I had Kit, we would get it because my sister had one and I used to love going through it. I loved the tiny bedroom sets. I think like my sense of what a cool New York apartment looks like (laughs) is the one with the brick wall and the butterfly chair. Yes. Lindsay, did I not say that exact thing? (laughs) We did a whole episode on those mini rooms. They're they're so cool. I, I, and I feel like miniatures are having a renaissance in the culture and like people are building miniature things for their houses and I'm yes. selling those again because I would they would get money from me right. in it uh, my dream is to have a dollhouse a Victorian dollhouse and it like bubbles up in my mind every like couple months that I really really want this I don't have the space to assemble and uh, obtain little treasures but I don't know, Callie, maybe in your new apartment, in your office, you could do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I think it would have to be a, in the office. I don't think it would be allowed to be on display. <laughs> um, but that's the whole point of having an office is to fill it right? with your Honestly. <laughs> now, what, what items from the catalog did you always want, but might not have received? Um... Honestly, this maybe sounds like a backdoor brag, but the item that I most wanted, I did get. And it wasn't related to Kit, which was why it was such an exciting get. But I got the like modern day girl bathtub. Oh, wow. And it was filled with these like hard plastic white bubbles. So it looked like a bubble bath and you could submerge your doll in it. Um, and I wanted it so badly. It was like a whole spa thing. There were little plastic cucumbers you could put over the eyes. And that was a couple Christmases after I got Kit. I got, even though it didn't fit her, her time and place, I got this bathtub and I think it's probably still in my parents' house. And I I hope it is passed on to my future grandchildren because it was so fun and cute to put her in the bath. That is incredible. 
I remember seeing that and I love the cucumber on the eyes detail. Not sure why as a society we really like latched on to that imagery as like the picture of luxuriousness. Like when have you ever gone anywhere where they've been like, okay, and now we're going to put two cold cucumbers over your eyes? If someone said that to me, I would say, no, thank you. Please do not touch my face. But Kit didn't have that agency. And oh so she God. had the cucumbers on her eyes and she looked Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Kelly, were you indulging in any of the other, like, modern accessories or outfits for your kit? No, I was coveting them, but not receiving them. I think my yeah. parents drew, like, a smart line of, like, we've gotten you this doll set. And yeah. here are all the things that go with her. But the only kind of exception to the rule was the bathtub set. But I loved looking yeah. at the catalog and seeing like the cool ski sets were always very appealing to me. Anything that had like lots of intricate little parts. I really yeah, loved. totally. I'm looking at a picture of the bathtub right now and uh, it it's heavenly. Like if I was into American Girl in, in this year, I'm a bit older. I'm an 86 baby, like what I would have given for this bathtub. It is fun. I'm so happy you got this. <laughs> I think that was that like the same like spread. I think I think I have a catalog that has that spread in it, but they also did like a salon chair, which I thought was like kind of cool um around that time. But yeah, they were really but that was like an interesting time because they have a lot of things that are similar to that now in that they are creating things that are um you know like more like day-to-day like things that you'd see like at salon like coffee shop whatever but I just feel like Mm -hmm. they look so different than the ones that like came out when Callie and I were like at peak AG age because the quality is just like different like instead of being made out of like real materials like they're made out of plastic Mm. um and so I feel like I, I know that this isn't the case, but it's almost like the bathtub was like made out of real porcelain or something. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely felt like it was to me, at least in my mind. Yeah, I wouldn't put <laughs> it, it past AG. <laughs> oh, my God. Were Kit and Kirsten interacting with each other at any time? Like, were you and your sister playing together with American Girl? No, we have about seven years between us. And so she was kind of out of that phase by the time I got into it. Yeah. Um, And I think, honestly, I don't think I played with Kit as much as I should have. Like, I loved her and I confided in her, but I wasn't really playing with her as much as, like, I probably should have been. Yeah. Um, But she she was more of a, like, she was a character from a book come to life to me rather than a toy. Mm. Sure. Well, that is so true. Like one of the things that we've like come to recognize with some of our guests is that for some of us who played with American Girl, like half the fun was like setting them up. So like getting them into their little outfits with the right accessories and like positioning them like in a bed or at their desk or just sort of like changing outfits and scenes. That was like a lot of the way I played with them or just like literally brushing their hair was a big thing for me um destroying their hair was also (laughs) (laughs) um Callie I want to dive into something that I know the AGIG community is going to be familiar with but that is the I believe canon implication that it is a bicon yeah I how much time do we have left because I need to start (laughs) accordingly Um, I believe that Kit is a bisexual socialist icon, and this is the hill that I will die upon happily. She totally was. The relationship with Ruthie is reminiscent of so many intense homoerotic young girl friendships that we all have (laughs) and the way that the book positions them as being from different social classes and experiencing this great depression that colors every aspect of their lives so differently and yet like the thing that they have in common most of all is their shared childhood and their love for each other um it's incredible and then that doesn't even get into her interests which are namely newspapers baseball and dressing like a boy yes yes like besides just like the personality factors about kids there's also her haircut and her overalls that I think are contributing (laughs) 
to this lore. <laughs> it would hold up in a court of law as evidence. Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I also think that Molly has some bicon energy as well. Um, especially when she's in that little like Amelia Earhart esque outfit. The bomber and also, jacket. yes, and also like her like play outfit, which is like those like high waisted jeans with like a shirt. <laughs> tucked into them that if you went into any number of bars in brooklyn new york on this night in 2023 you would find a girl dressed like kit and a girl dressed like molly and they both would be so fun and beautiful and i think that's amazing yes agreed i think kit is like further like on the kinsey scale than molly is i feel like molly like is just dipping a toe and Kit is like, I'm, I'm here and I'm out and I'm ready, you know, and I would love to like get a, get a skill and put all the American Girl doll characters on it (laughs) and see, and see where they fall because there are some that are obviously going to be like painfully straight, like Mm -hmm. Samantha, obviously. (laughs) If you ever do this, I would love to see it and probably discourse about it. But it's a fascinating idea. Yes. I would need to like reread all the books before I feel like I can confidently say what their alignment is in this arena. But I I know for a fact that I kind of already have an idea for like Samantha, Molly, and Kit stand for sure. <laughs> and they're kind of like the spectrum, like a Kinsey six, a Kinsey three, a Kinsey one. Sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh. That is so true. Um, Now, Callie, when you were reading the Kit books, because obviously that was one of your first entry points into learning to love her story, do you remember which stories um, you really loved the most? Because, you know, American Girl has like the intro story, the birthday stories, like usually a story like related to school. Was there one that stands out to you? Honestly, those those like six box set, I loved all of them so much. But I think the two that really stick out in my memory to this day are the school story where they volunteer at a soup kitchen and Kit sees her dad there waiting for soup. I think that was like one of those literary moments that made me gasp. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah. I think that the, the story of her like coming to understand her family circumstances in this like really unprecedented situation and her handling it realistically and not perfectly like a child would, but also with a lot of grace and kindness in her heart um, really stuck with me. And it also like has like a, a very radical politic of the reason her dad is at the soup kitchen as a formerly successful business owner is that he refused to cut his workers wages. So he ran out of money faster, mm-hmm. um, which like is, a, a a pretty radical thing to put in a children's book especially like a mass produced one um and I when I look back on it now I think that that was a very like strong stance an important stance that it took oh yeah that's such a good point I think that it's also interesting because a lot of the other books like that take place further in the past almost seem like so overly fictional even though yes they're they're historical fiction but they are based in history but like there's something about kit and molly's stories i feel like that feel almost more relatable because they happen in a time period that is within grasp like you know there were people who lived through that like you were saying with your grandparents around us growing up who still could share their stories and remember that and I think that you know having real people's experiences still be relevant when it comes to talking about the past in that way is like what makes some of those like Kit and Molly stories like so Mm -hmm. gripping especially when you look at like the end of the book so like at this time in America the there's like real photographs and there's these stories mm-hmm. that feel like not that divorced from our own reality which I think made them feel very real to me definitely were you able to ever connect with any of your grandparents on kids stories and hear more about their experiences not specifically about kit but I think I I 
I got a better understanding of the era in which they grew up from reading both Kit and Molly's books. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't don't think we ever had an explicit conversation about it, but I think I saw those books as more real because I related them to the ways that my grandparents had gone through those periods. Yeah, definitely. And I, I I do remember asking my mom once about like Molly's dad being away at war a war and her dad being away but my mom was like oh I wasn't born when that happened and I was like (laughs) gotcha so glad (laughs) you know it's so crazy to think about this now but they've come out with a 1950s character a 1960s character a 70s character and an 80s character and 90s characters but those time periods are as far away from present day as like Molly and Kit were from when we were like just getting into American Girl which is like really jarring yeah honestly ancient (laughs) yeah it's so true I am really looking forward to reading the 90s girls books it's a set of twins who grew up in the 90s and I personally cannot wait. Is there a um, world where we break the space-time continuum where, like, a 90s American Girl doll has their own mini American Girl doll? Yeah, the 80s girl, so- Courtney, had a Molly doll in her collection, which <laughs> is hard to wrap your head around, right? <laughs> it's incredible. We've really come full circle. <laughs> I think it would be incredibly cool if the 90s girls were interested in Mary Kate and Ashley being that they are also twins right Um, oh my god if there's not an Olsen reference in their books you know I have a an issue of a 2000s American Girl magazine that Laura I'm going to pass over to you from our friend Ashley May who is a guest on our podcast and an actress at the American Girl Theater in Chicago. And she sent a big package of tons of American Girl magazines and in the 2000s issues, which I'm going to read before I give to you, Laura, because I had never seen these before. These were past my, my prime, but they have a couple interviews that have piqued my interest, including ones with Mary Kate and Ashley, um, an interview with Amanda Bynes. Oh. Just to even think that like, Mary Kate and Ashley know about American Girl is crazy to me. Like, oh my gosh, yeah, I I can't wait to look at those. (laughs) Right, I I can't wait to read the interviews. But like, they must have had dolls, right? Like, what were those girls spending their money on in the nineties and early two thousands? Well, I think we've talked about this before, (laughs) but Mary Kate is to (laughs) me such a Felicity, and Ashley is a Samantha. Um, because like they created such a binary with them pretty early in their careers where like Mary Kate was kind of like the tough sporty one and Ashley was like the like sweet, like girly one. Um, and so that's who I think that they had. I, I wish that we could ask them outright. I also don't know if you guys remember Mary Kate did a little stint as a redhead, which further, um, oh, yes, she did. <laughs> emphasizes that she's a Felicity. Um, but Callie, you might be interested to know that they have operated on the age old trope of Mary Kate and Ashley with these new 90s characters where one twin is wearing kind of like a more like tomboyish outfit and the other twin is wearing like a very like clueless vibe mm-hmm. 90s outfit. So <laughs> I love it old habits you know die hard we we <laughs> can only have twins on either side of the spectrum there's no gray <laughs> it's one of the great binaries that's left to american society is <laughs> twins personalities right <laughs> <laughs> so true oh my gosh <laughs> callie where is your kit today she is in my toy box, in my childhood bedroom, in my parents' Good. house. Don't yeah, many, many of our toys were repurposed, but some were saved for future grandchildren. And I had like a beautiful carved toy box that stayed in the house because it's such a lovely piece. And so Kit yeah. and Kirsten and Bitty Baby are in there. And I think it's just the, I think the toy chest is exclusively those now. 
Um, mm. because those were toys that my mom envisioned would go on to future generations. Yeah. Oh, that's so wonderful. When was the last time you like opened the toy chest up and have seen them? Anytime I go home, I always like to pop it open and see what's going on. And they're, they're still chilling. <laughs> Last time I was home, I desperately tried to clean some crayon off of the toy box that I had drawn on when I was in my like preteen years. And so I opened it up after I was done cleaning and they were all just sleeping peacefully. Oh, um, that's so good. Are, are they in good condition? I honestly think they're in pretty mint condition. Like they have not been disturbed. That doesn't surprise me. I feel like you strike me as someone who would take good care of your dolls in that way uh, and recognize the importance of keeping them pristine. Like that that's in line, despite the crayon on the on the toy box, for sure. That's very kind of you. <laughs> Were my mother in this recording, she would have some things to say. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll gladly take the compliment. oh my gosh that's so funny and so do you think that you will be passing your love of American Girl on to future kids or nieces and nephews and getting them into it I think that my I am a a recent aunt my nephew is about to turn one and I think that if he at any point shows an interest or if perhaps he has a sister later who shows an interest in dolls I would love to be the kind of aunt who buys them an American girl um I think they would enjoy um I love reading to children when I was babysitting that was always my favorite activity and so I would love to get to read all of the books to the the future generations of my family definitely yes so reading the books is a pleasure even now like you know, the books are just like, if there's one thing that I feel like is so easy and fun to revisit at any point in your life, it's the stories. So love the idea of passing those on to the next gen for sure. So Hallie, (laughs) what would you say is the lasting impression that American Girl has left on you? I think like to this day, I think of Kit as like a strong female influence that I would love to have her strength and grace and curiosity in my daily life. And I think in a lot of ways, I turned out not too different from her in a way that I'm proud of. She was a very intellectual person. She was a very stubborn person. She was very passionate. She loved her family. And she had a lot of stern political convictions that people maybe didn't think she was old enough to have, but she knew she was. And those are all things that I hope I can emulate in my life. And so the lasting like conversation between me and my experience with being a kid girl has definitely carried throughout my life. I love that, especially because Kit was chosen for you. It's so special that you were able to relate to her so well and see her as a role model that has carried with you throughout all these years. It's one of those things where like my mom knew best because I wish I had gotten a different doll when I first opened her up. And then now that I have had 20 years to reflect on it, I think there wouldn't have been a better choice. Wow. Love it. Oh, such a wonderful, you know, satisfying story of someone being able to find their soul doll, if you will. <laughs> like... <Yeah. laughs> she she really like, and there's there's things to this day that I realize I have so much in common with her that I never expected when I was like prepping for this episode and kind of revisiting memories. I there's a series of in one of the books where she's reading Robin Hood stories. And like, I love the Robin Hood story. I was the Robin Hood Fox for Halloween two years ago. Um, And she wanted to be a journalist. And now I, I work in magazines and newspapers. And there's just these little ways that I've stayed close to it without even realizing. Um, And it was fun to look back on it and start to have those realizations when I was thinking about this podcast. Wow. Love that so much. Truly. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Callie, if you were to host a dinner party and you could invite two American Girl characters, whether it's our main gals or their friends and fam or whoever it might be, which two would you invite to dinner? And think about the conversations you would have with them 
they would have with each other. The, the three of you, who would it be? I think I would have to bring Kit, um, mm-hmm. just to have a little chat with her. Yeah. And I think I would love to bring Josefina as well. I think Josefina is very different than Kit and grew up in a very different time and place. And I think Kit being a curious little reporter would love to learn about Josefina's life and family. Yeah. And I think Josefina is such a sweetheart that she would be like the right person to take that kind of onslaught of questions. Yeah, mm. definitely. I love that. I'm a Josefina stan, so I I love that idea. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, cool. Well, my question is going to be about your favorite celebrities and which American girl you think they would have. Now, we have already had someone say Harry Styles, um, so I'm not going to name him as much as I want to, um, but which American girl do you think Jenny Slate would have? This is such an interesting question. I want to do it justice. <laughs> I think Jenny, I often think of Jenny Slate as being very similar to our dear friend Shannon um, <laughs> in, in her wit, in her warmth, um, in in her effusiveness. And so I can see... Shannon being a perfect Molly girl, I think Jenny Slate would be a perfect Molly gal as well. Um, You know, she's bright. She's marching to the beat of her own drum. She's a wonderful brunette lady. Those (laughs) Those all line up for me. Yes, I, you know, when I asked the question, I tried to like think of what my like knee jerk reaction would be for her. And I was thinking Molly as well. I think especially if you like have seen Jenny Slate's stand up comedy special where she like talks a lot about her childhood and stuff. She seems like such a a Molly, like she's very like precocious, but also like a little odd and maybe also someone who would self-identify as annoying. <laughs> and I think <laughs> I think those are all things that are actually kind of like lovable about Molly that I feel like embody a lot of, you know, Jenny Slate's personality. So I think that's a great answer. Well, this has been so, so fun, Callie. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your ag journey with laura and i and all of our listeners today thank you both so much for having me what a wonderful chat and what a beautiful catharsis to unpack (laughs) my childhood relationships to my dolls yes you know we're gonna do that inner child work here (laughs) (laughs) and thank you everyone for listening and we'll catch you next time Thank you for listening to American Girl Women. For more AG Women content, follow us on IG at American Girl Women or send us your American Girl stories via AmericanGirlWomen at gmail.com. We might just read them on the pod. If you like this podcast, tell your friends and rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts.